Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Billboard Chart Feed Podcast, Gary Charles Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. This is Andrew Unterberger. I'm a senior editor at Billboard.com. All right, talking another new number one this week on the Hot 100 after so many weeks, a record-setting run for Old Town Road at number one. It's now two weeks in a row of new number ones, so we'll talk about this week's coming up, plus a couple high-profile debuts on the Hot 100 as well. And then after that, we're talking all Taylor Swift for the rest of the podcast, including what should the next singles be from the new album, Lover. We did this last time when Reputation came out, Trevor. Uh, we tried to pick what the next singles should be, and I think we really, really failed. I don't think either of us thought Delicate should have been a single. turned out to be sort of the biggest radio hit and maybe at this point the best-received song a couple years later. So maybe we can – be a little bit better this time, Andrew. Maybe, so maybe you being the, here will help. That's that's the, uh, the 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 task for this time around is what's what's going to be this album's delicate. If you want to put it in those those terms, well, the, the, that's, it was a tough one. I don't, I don't think a lot of people saw delicate coming at first. And, you know, it's buried on the album a little bit. It's not really like a, an immediate banger. It, it, it was it was a slow burner. I think uh, even delicate itself probably didn't look like it was going to be delicate until a couple months into its run there. All right, so that's all coming up. Let's start with this week's top ten on the Hot 100 with another new number one. Ten, nine. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Number ten. I can't not about you. Can't drink without thinking about you. Number nine. I want you out of my head. I want you out of my bedroom tonight. There's no way I can save you. Cause I need to be safe too. I'm no good at goodbyes. We're both acting insane. But you stop it. Number eight. Cause I don't care when I'm with my baby. Yeah. All the bad things disappear. You're making me feel that maybe I am somebody. Number six. Can we just talk? Can we just talk about where we're going? Before we get lost, I'm beyond fun. Just can't keep up with you. Number five. I got red, I got blue. What you want? The Chanel, the Balenciaga, Louis Vuitton. She Number four. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride. 
I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Number three. Number two. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, might seduce your dad type. I'm the bad guy. Duh. And number one. Yeah. I love it when you call me, senorita. I wish I could pretend I didn't need ya. But every touch is ooh la la la. It's true, la la la. Ooh, I should be running. To number one to bring us out of that countdown, that is the song Senorita by Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello. So uh the what what what's the Sean fan? Do they have a name? The men the Mendez Army, the men the men the men and the men and women does the <laughs> Seanoritas. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it while yeah. you're talking. Yeah. Okay, well Sean Mendez fans out there. But yeah, Sean Mendez first number one on the hot one hundred after coming oh so close. Twice earlier this year, uh, If I Can't Have You, debuted at number two a few months back. And Senorita actually started at number two as well. So, uh, you know, never ne- never as as heartbreaking as when you are that close to number two. But finally, he's at number one. Camila Cabello back at number one for the first time since Havana in the early part of 2018. So I guess this kind of also... Now that Sean has a number one, it kind of opens this question that I remember when Leonardo DiCaprio like won his Oscar. I remember I asked a lot of people like, okay, so like now that Leo's finally like crossed off the bucket list, uh, you know, who's next up for an Oscar? So in that same vein with Sean Mendez, people have been waiting for Sean. He'd had multiple top tens. It felt like he could, you know, was getting closer and closer and closer. Now that he's finally there and we've seen, you know, in recent months, Ariana Grande get her first number one. Uh, Taylor had to wait a while before she got hers. I mean, Justin Bieber, same case. Drake had a couple Rihanna features, but people really were like, when's he going to get his own? And Sharon a couple years ago. Yeah, Sharon in that same camp. Who? So who out there is uh, next in line, it feels like, in the, the pop canon? Who, who deserves that next number one? Oh, this was a, a sort of spin on a question that we asked in, in our, in our five, burning, uh, five Burning Questions chart column today. Uh, the way I phrased it was more like, uh, well, who's the biggest star right now without one? And, you know, maybe maybe they're not necessarily on schedule for, for to have, to have a, a new album or new song out in the immediate future. So maybe they won't be crossing their own names off that at the same time soon. But I think the, the, the biggest the biggest stars that we're still waiting on and the, the names most frequently mentioned were Nicki Minaj, who's sort of like the, uh, you know, the grandfather. Sort of a poster in, child yeah, at this point child, for yeah. it. Yeah. Been, a, been a solid decade of, uh, of coming close, but never quite. Uh, and then uh, a much newer artist in Khalid, who, who's only been charting singles for about two years now, but has gotten to number three twice, once on his own, once with Logic and Alessia Cara, and has just kind of blanketed the Hot 100 in the last 24 months. I think he has 25 Hot 100 hits total, so you, you, you have to think that he'd be in the mix for one eventually, too. But Khalid doesn't feel like, you know, because I guess what we saw with, with Drake and with Bieber and Taylor, like it was, it was a couple album cycles. People don't think that Khalid's... You know, too new to sort of start getting into the deserve talk or the should. When you had as many hits and just the the, the sheer wide variety of them that, that Khalid's had with so many different collaborators, you know, uh, Marshmallow and Kane Brown and Logic and all these other people, uh, you just kind of feel like almost by blind luck he'd hit a number one eventually. And, and he came pretty close on his own recently with, with Talk, which was obviously like an enormous, enormous radio hit and uh, a pretty big Hot 100 hit too, getting a number three. So you'd, you'd have to think that, you know, maybe not necessarily, maybe it'll take another album or two, maybe it won't be on its own, maybe it'll be as a feature, maybe it'll be a, you know, a Halsey collaboration, who knows. But uh, but yeah, you have to think that, that he'll he'll contend for one pretty soon, if not actually get there himself. And then the third one, who's in sort of a weird place career-wise at the moment, is Selena Gomez, who has never really gotten that close for someone as popular as she is and for someone who's been as popular as long as she is. Her, you know, she had that string of singles in 2017 or 2018, uh, Bad Liar, Fetish, uh, Wolves, Back to You. They all kind of peaked around number 20, almost all in that, that 15 to 25 range. Uh, so she, she's not getting closer necessarily, but she still is that that kind of huge uh, name, that, that sort of the, that, that household name, thanks largely in part to her acting and, 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 and music both. Uh, so, I mean – Whenever she releases her new album, which has been, I don't know, rumored and promised for however long now and hasn't – we still haven't actually seen any hard evidence of it. But supposedly it's coming. 
when that happens, you have to think that the, the first single will certainly be one of the most buzzed about singles of the year. There'll be a, be a huge streaming push for it, a huge fan push for it. And, and maybe she can finally get in the mix for that number one. But uh, those, those are the artists that I think uh, are probably the closest in discussion of, of taking over for Shawn Mendes is that, that biggest artist with that number one hit right now. If you mention Selena, do you put Demi Lovato in that or not the same way? Maybe. I don't think that Demi Lovato has – I don't, I don't think her name kind of rings out quite the same way as Selena Gomez does. Like I'm sure – like I don't know. My, my, my mother probably knows who Selena Gomez is. Maybe she knows who Demi Lovato is. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, and, and, get and, Andrew's mother on the phone. I'm just saying. <laughs> Uh, I know she's a very, very worldly woman. My mother It's very, very impossible that she knows both of them by now. But, uh, but Demi, I don't, I don't think has quite had that kind of celebrity out, outside of the music the way that Selena Gomez has. And she also, I don't know, not necessarily trending in the exact right direction there. Although, sorry, not sorry, it was only a couple years ago at this point. That was a pretty big hit. Number that was her highest peaking for the record. Number okay. six. Number six. All right. Well, also, Selena will say, "Good for you." Same old love. Both number fives. Okay. Well, there you go. So. Uh, that's a, a pretty a pretty thin distinction between the two of them. So yeah, if you want to throw Demi in there, that's that's fine too. Yeah. Sam Smith, who's sure. to number two. So yeah. especially the resurgence, he's kind yeah, of yeah. He, he looked he looked like he was kind of fading out of the mix after uh, you know uh, the after uh, two good goodbyes. Kind of yeah. that was like the last. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, he, he's he's reinvented himself a little bit more, you know, doing more upbeat kind of dance pop stuff, and that that seems to be a, a good sound for him. Uh, and I'll also throw in, I guess, uh, if, we're, if we're just talking about names and just kind of like whose name rings out, we we'll talk about Harry Styles. Who, uh, oh. you know, uh, he's, he's, he's had a number four hit, Sign of the Times. Uh, not a huge radio hit, not a huge hit in terms of endurance, but obviously a tremendous debut and, and a song that a lot of people really liked. And it was, was one of our favorites here at Billboard that year. Uh, when he comes back, certainly if he, if he has an, another song that, that fits in maybe a little bit better with radio, maybe a little bit better with, uh, you know, kind of trends in, in 2019 pop music, doesn't seem to be the direction he's going anyway. If you read the story, it sounds like he's getting pretty much into classic rock and kind of going further down that rabbit hole. But anytime he does come out with a song that that uh, that, that kind of connects like that, he are, he has the name, he has the audience, he has the the, the cult of fans and the and the one deers directioners. Uh, so he'll he'll always be in contention. He just needs the right song to do it with. Oh, here's one we have to mention. And I, partly I was thinking uh, One Direction because they got to number two. If they ever get back together, possibility sure. depending if it's the right song. Jonas Brothers can yeah. get back together. Five, five seconds one. of summer too. If, you know, if they they have another young blood. Uh, if we're gonna mention those groups, got to mention BTS. Of course. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Getting closer each time, it seems like. Uh, I definitely want to throw out a mention as well. Um, and it's kind of different different vein, different genre, different kind of artist. But uh, I think J. Cole in the past couple of years has gotten, sure. you know, more – I mean more and more – I know he's not a big radio artist per se and not the most sort of quote-unquote commercial artist. But in terms of just um, importance, I think, to hip-hop and especially seeing uh, Kendrick cross his name off that list um, with the Taylor Swift feature. But, you know, I guess – History record humble as Kendrick's quote unquote first number one, but to see him uh, cross that milestone and Cole's gotten very much closer. I mean, Middle Child was in the top ten for a lot of weeks. His albums continually stream very, very well. So it feels like kind of in that same vein. Maybe that lead single from the next project, um, you know, could be the one that put him over the top. But it seems like he's getting closer and closer. And maybe some of these other like hip hop artists who, you know, now the streaming is such such a monster and such a force, they can really play that to their advantage and start out big. I think Middle Child was his biggest hit yet, right? It was in the number four, I think. Yeah, in terms of P yeah. position, yeah. There you go. Uh, and by the way, going back to our earlier conversation, the Shawn Mendes fan base name, very creative. The Mendes Army. Oh, it, I, oh, I said that. I threw that out. That's wild. Okay, I, I just that was a guess. So I don't know. If, at least according to the, the, the Wikipedia, very official Wikipedia page of list of fandom nicknames. So, okay. Uh, Can you edit that to put in Shawn Uritas? <laughs> Also, I feel like with Senorita going to number one, I feel like Camila did something that was pretty difficult in that she made a second hit that sounds similar in some ways to Havana in terms of the, the Spanish the inflections to the song. And it just feels like Havana was just always going to be you know, maybe a career song for her and it would be hard to A, to top that and also try to either top it or match it with a song that – is in some ways pretty similar because then you run the risk of it just being a copycat. But I feel like both of these songs really stand on their own as just both great songs. And yeah, there just happen to be similarities between them. Yeah, and, and uh, the real question to me is, uh, do you think Ed Sheeran's smarting and getting beaten to the spot with his own uh, South of the Border, which maybe uh, isn't quite taking off the same way as Senorita did? And, uh, you know, this is a very similar song with Camila Cabello and uh, this is sort of set in the same sort of Spanish inflections and it just seems like a little, a little too little too late uh, for, for for that song and its commercial chances. And I think Senior is a better song anyway. Yeah, I'ma break it up, let me be your motivation. Don't stay and give it tonight. 
Brother debuts on the Hot 100 this week. Normani, speaking of former Fifth Harmony members, baby. Damn, he had to make he had to make the connection. <laughs> he couldn't not make the connection. Uh, motivation debuts at number 33 by Normani. The most interesting thing to me is if you look into the writing credits, Ariana Grande co-wrote right. it, yeah. and it's her first Hot 100 hit that she's written for someone else. She she's co-written 32 of her 49 Hot 100 hits, so you might not even realize she's been a, a writer on so many of her songs. But it, it makes the lyric in Seven Rings stand out that much more. When she says she writes her own checks, like she writes what she sings. Yeah. Because when I first heard that, I was like, but you don't – oh, oh, oh yeah. but you do. Okay, but you do. Yeah. So kind of like how Ed Sheeran started writing for other people. Seems like another – a little more hidden uh, moment in the big year that Ariana Grande has been having for the last year or so now. She's getting writing credits for other artists. And, and along those lines, a uh, shout out to, to the second number one single for Charlie XCX as well as uh, right. one of the writers on Senorita. You know, one of the you know, 20 writers on that song. That song was definitely workshopped and we actually uh, – Only eight. Only eight, all right. But our, our own Taylor Weatherby did a really uh, nice article, uh, I think, earlier this month, uh, you know, talking to, to you know six or seven of those eight writers and kind of piecing together how the songs came together. And it, it was a really interesting process. And who knows exactly how much involvement Charlie had on that compared to some of the others. But uh, she, she certainly played a role. And uh, and yeah, that's that's a huge win for her. You know, where she kind of uh, continues to keep one foot in the pop world, even as she you know she's sort of changing things from the from the underground. Uh, you know, in, in her in her day to day recording life, uh, you know collaborating with really interesting people and doing really kind of left field pop stuff but she, she's, she's also still very much a presence in the top 40 world so it's, it's a big one for her too and you know Normani opened for Ariana uh, earlier this year on her tour uh, also Social House was one of the opening acts so the fact that they're able to collaborate all together shows that you know it's kind of nice that they're they're not only working together as tour mates but also creatively working together uh, during that process it's not just a money grab or you know somebody's label trying to pluck somebody together but the fact that yeah, they're on the road doing all these things, but also finding some time to make new music is, uh, I think, really cool and probably something that just goes to show how genuine a lot of these friendships and relationships are um, in a time when, of course, a lot of people think that they're just, you know, it's just all about the money, all about getting your clout and your access. Like, no, this this seems really genuine. So I like that. Song debuts, or at least uh, one other, even higher than we'll mention in a moment. But Slide Away by Miley Cyrus debuts at number 47 on the Hot 100. Getting really uh, good reviews. Feels like this is already uh, some sort of a pretty big favorite in their catalog, at least in recent yeah, years. Let's, no, let's, let's slow the roll on that one for now, I would say. I mean, it's a good song. Uh, it was a good performance last night. Very solid, very stately. Uh, I don't know. Is it a game changer for Miley Cyrus? We'll see. Uh, I, it, it's not. Her, you know, if people are billing it as her thank you next, it's not that. Uh, and uh, it, it's good. So we're saying overall, Billy Ray is still having the best year among all the Cyruses. Oh, he, he's certainly living life the most. And he, he, he was uh, having fun taking his victory lap on the VMA stage last night. I think that was a, a long time coming for, for Mr. Cyrus. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, talking VMAs, talking Taylor Swift. Uh, so also debuting on the Hot 100, number 19, the title cut from Lover for Taylor, uh, number one on the sales chart, top 25 at the streaming chart. Uh, I'm going to start with this. There's so many things we can talk about. So uh, in 2019, the average length of hit songs on the Hot 100 it's 307. So uh, the average top 10 
length for a hit song on the Hot 100 in the top 10. It was three minutes and seven seconds, and that's down from last year when it was three thirty-seven. So wow. just last year to this Half year, songs are down to exactly thirty seconds. That's uh, from research by Hit Songs Deconstructed. So I was looking up the track list for for the Taylor album. It's eighteen songs, uh, which is her longest album yet uh, by song uh, by number of songs. So uh, she's not oblivious to how mm-hmm. streaming nowadays. If you have more tracks, you get more streams. So she's uh, clearly looking at that, but also the the length of songs. There are five songs on this album under three minutes each. And I went back and looked through all her other albums. She only has two other songs in her entire catalog that are under three minutes. They're both on her first album. And one of them is the pop version of Teardrops on My Guitar. So really almost her entire career other than Picture to Burn, she's had songs over three minutes. Some uh, Speak Now had a couple over six minutes each. So uh, yeah, on this album, she's – right in line with what other pop acts are doing. So she's, uh, if nothing else, uh, just to start with, uh, being very uh, smart about where the business is. Do you think anything is subconscious with Taylor Swift? Well, I, well, that's the big question, right? I mean, I don't know, because there, there, there goes the calculating word again that, you know, I feel like... It doesn't even have to be calculating. I think it's, it's just smart. And, and the other interesting thing is you, you talk about Speak Now. So I, I, was, I was looking into it. I was looking, trying to figure out if this was her longest album today, yet, because obviously it's 18 tracks. She's never had an album that long in terms of track number before. Speak Now is 13 tracks long, and it's seven minutes longer than this album. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that, that album is an anomaly in her catalog for a number of reasons. Uh, but it, it really is stark to, to, yeah, to, to, to go through an 18-track album, and you know, it, it's still relatively compact by, by, uh, by kind of modern standards. And, uh, yeah, and yeah, it has, it has the shortest song uh, of her career so far, and uh, it's nice to have a friend, which was one of my favorite songs in the album. Uh, and yeah, n- none of those kind of singer songwritery uh, like like epics that she that she did. You know, a bunch on Speak Now, and she had All Too Well on Red, which I think is also like five plus minutes long. Uh, and she sort of cut those out of her catalog now. And now it's it's all very kind of tight to the point. Uh, you know, modern pop songs, and I think they still feel like Taylor Swift songs. Like I, they, I don't think that like you, you wouldn't mix any of these songs up with like you know Gucci Gang or Old Town Road or Sunflower. Or these other songs where it's just like, wow, that was a short song. They still feel like. You know, fully full length, you know, full fully bodied Taylor Swift songs, but yeah, she, she's she's not immune to trends in the marketplace. She knows what she's doing. So does Jack Antonoff and the other people that she's working with, uh, and and she is working with some of the the people behind some of those songs now. She's working with Louis Bell. She's working with Frank Dukes, like uh, the the dudes that are kind of shaping the sound of top top forty as we know it now. And you know, she 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 knows what it takes to stay vital in the, in the marketplace, and and it, it's. Shorter songs and longer, longer track lists, and that, that's it's not surprising, but it's uh, it's still interesting. To uh, to that point about who her collaborators are, uh, you'll sift through the credits, you will not see Max Martin mm. this time around. So um, Max, you know, I've been with her basically all through 1989. Reputation, um, also, you know, a big helping hand on "I Knew You Were Trouble." So really, you know, Taylor's pop makeover. Um, in a lot of ways with a lot of those collaborations with Max and Shellback. Is that, I mean, is, is, that, or what, is that telling in some way that, that Max is, 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 is he, mm-hmm. I don't know, is he on, on the cusp out again? I well, mean, he had, he's had ebbs and flows yeah, in his career. Well, he actually co-wrote the new Normani song as well. He's written songs oh, for Ariana that. most recently. So he's still, he's still certainly, at least if you go by Ariana, he's still having hits. Yeah, but I guess in the fact that, you know, if you want to talk about I guess if we're talking about sort of conscious choices. I mean, that that for a, for a, another Tales of Pop album for them not to work together, um, that seems like a fairly incredibly conscious choice. And I mean, I wonder, you know, what 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 does that suggest? Um, is that to suggest reputation she knows wasn't received as well as she, she liked would have would have liked for it to be, and maybe the, they do need to go with the new the new crop of producers and songwriters who are. Making hits or or what? Uh, I prefer to think of it as uh, just Taylor graduating from the school of Max Martin. He says, "You know, I have nothing more to teach you, Taylor. You can go off into the world. <laughs> you, you, you've learned all the lessons that I have to impart, and, and now you must make it on your own." Uh, but you know, obviously, it's like she, you know, Max Martin, you know, helped her realize her her kind of pop potential. But it was always there to begin with, like, uh, and and you can kind of hear it on this album. I, don't, I don't, you know, when you say that that Max Martin's on the album, that was the first time I'd even thought about that. Uh, because it does still feel very much in line and of a piece sonically with 1989 and Reputation. It feels like the kind of the natural evolution there. So I, I maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe the schedules didn't work out. Maybe Max Martin's charging too much these days. Who knows? But uh, she doesn't really need him to continue to be the, the pop version of herself, I don't think. And then we're sort of seeing that on this album. Charging too much for Taylor? It's possible. Look, man, she can't everybody's got a budget these days. Right. Times are tight. Taylor's always been the architect of her 
her own sound. I mean, I mean, I I still wonder, you know, I remember the days when she worked with Liz Rose and Nathan Chapman for so many of her songs, yep. and then she kind of, yeah, moved on to that. I mean, she wrote, to your point about Speak Now, you know, one of the big anomalies, she wrote that whole album by herself. Um, so to sort of move on from that country sphere and take the lesson she learned, and she could shape her own destiny, and then kind of doing the same thing in the pop sphere, and Taylor Swift's always been the architect of Taylor Swift. That's it, a good point. It's, it's, it's ESPN philosophy. They never wanted the talent to be bigger than the channel, so the same sort of thing with Taylor like she'll work with these collaborators and she'll 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 get what she needs from them and she, and, and you know she'll help them on their paths as well but that they're not part of the brand the brand is Taylor Swift so we have I think I think Trevor's right I think that probably is sort of a conscious thing that it's okay well we, we've done two or three albums together now it's time to move on you know we, we, we will we'll say our goodbyes and maybe we'll meet up down the line but uh New adventures onwards and upwards. Yeah, I think historically too, you look at people who in the 80s, a lot of people, bands that maybe uh, were known as rock bands had pop hits written with other people and it kind of seems like, yeah, there is that element that you want to prove that after you work with the hit songwriters that, yeah, you didn't actually need it. That wasn't the main reason that you became bigger than you might have been before. Even Michael and Quincy had to break up at Mm -hmm. some point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, so we did this last time when Reputation came out. We tried to pick what the singles should be after Look What You Made Me Do and Ready For It. And it kind of – as much as we're going to uh, beat ourselves down for, for not doing that well, it kind of seems like as we were saying about Delicate that it probably even was a surprise to everyone that otherwise Delicate would have been maybe the first single if that was going to be the biggest or most long-lasting radio hit. Uh, so I guess we'll, we'll sort of get into this as we talk about what the next single should be. But uh, listening to the album as a whole now, it, was it a mistake to put out me and you need to come down as the first two singles? Yeah, it, it was a strange choice. I think uh, if she had done you need to calm down first, I think I think that actually probably would have been better received. Uh, I think people were kind of soured by me to a certain extent and then you know, you, you need to you need to come down wasn't a home run, but it's still going at radio, and it yeah, looks like it's going to have a longer radio run than me did. It feels a little bit more contemporary, and it feels a little bit more like Taylor Swift herself. Uh, and you know, the, the video was was interesting and fun. And, you know, there, there's still some clunker lyrics in there. There's still some times in the video and in the song itself where she kind of steps over the line as an ally, uh, maybe makes people a little bit uncomfortable, uh, but. It feels like a radio hit. It feels like a banger. It feels like a song that can can kind of play on the 2019 level and 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 you know and, and not sound uh, you know either behind the times or too precious or or, or too tailory in general. Like it, it just it feels like a hit. So and it felt like a hit last night. I thought I, I, I thought it sounded great opening the show. I thought uh, it's 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 held up pretty well. And I think a lot of people and that's a song that in the context of this album I think makes more sense, even though it's also sort of buried towards the end. But yeah, when you when you when you look back at those two songs, the, 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 putting them putting them out one after the other, the, the, it seems like they they kind of only hurt each other. I mean, I guess with I don't know with me, I feel like whether or not it's a good choice, I guess I sort of it, it follows the pattern that I think has sort of been established. I think even go back to 1989, I think you know when Shake It Off came out. I mean that that was that was sort of the the theme of that album. Of course, it's her big pop coming out, probably I mean the most poppy song that she's ever put out to date, and. You know, I think for some people, it you thought 1989 was going to kind of follow in that mold of sort of big and brash and bold, and uh, you know, it's gets it scaled it down. Um, I mean, it was still obviously a very upbeat album for the most part. You know, fun, blank space, and bad blood, and all those kind of things. But I think Shake It Off sort of sets expectation, and she could sort of m- play with that and maneuver it a little bit um, to something that was you know generally still very agreeable, but not a, not not a wholly like wow. When Taylor Swift went pop, she went all the way to the wall. And I think Reputation followed that same mold. I mean, look what you made me do. When people heard that, people, people I think, instantly had impressions of what they thought this was going to be. This is going to be a very bitter, very dark album. She's going to try these new vocal cadences that she'd never really done before. And people sort of mocked her for that pseudo accent she was using. And then Reputation came out. It was, you know, it was scaled back in that same way. It wasn't nearly as, you know, you know, piping, you know, her screaming against the world kind of, you know, wasn't as dramatic as, oh, the old Taylor's dead. Like that, that's as far as we got. Yeah, but going along those lines, then wouldn't you need to calm down? It made sense for the, the single for this album where this is like activist Taylor and like, uh, you know, that, that's sort of the narrative that we have of her going into this album. And so she puts out this song, this song that expresses allyship for, for LGBTQ, uh, you know, her, her friends and community. And then you listen to the album. And it's okay. It's, it's not really that political an album, but. Well, I think, I mean, I think that makes, I think. You know, to to her smartest strategy, I think that that probably opens a different can of worms. If you want to, you know, I mean, it's one thing to talk about, you know, yourself and look at what you made me do. I guess or people have wronged you, but I guess 
I, I don't know. It wouldn't feel like a bait and switch to some people if if, it, if her first single was going to be sort of allyship and she's new political tailor. Then she's like, yeah, actually, I'm not going to be that. And I mean, right. to her very much point, she's very conscious of that, giving the interviews that, you know, why she didn't come out to, um, you know, support Hillary Clinton or blast Donald Trump because she knew that she could be sort of weaponized or, or whatnot, used it, her endorsement who to or from. So I feel like, I don't know, I mean, with me being sort of like the most bold sort of, you know, friendly, energetic sort of song on the album, that's right. I think it's a, it is like an outlier for the rest of the album, but I guess in that same mold, it's sort of now, okay, now we're back again. Everybody, we're happy. I mean, you see the video. Everything's changing. Sticks and stones don't break my bones. I'm we're, we're, We emerge from the dark place. And, you know, from that, we can sort of settle back down to earth gently and go back into, you know, regular Taylor Swift mode. Yeah. The real problem is that, I mean, even though you, I think I think it's a good point that it might have been an uncomfortable statement to make as her first statement coming back, especially if she wasn't going to go through with it for the, for the rest of, uh, of Lover. But at least there's a statement made with you. You need to calm down. But the problem with me is that there was no statement. It, it, it almost felt like a, like an anti-statement, like 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 she was she was kind of clearing the decks with this song. But it, well, I it, think it, coming after the last album, there was heavier in some ways. It was just here's a happy frivolous song. I guess so. And 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 maybe doing the happy frivolous song did kind of you know clear the runway for her to to come back with you need to calm down, which I'm sure is a song that she's more personally invested in. So maybe she just kind of needed that that palate cleanser first, and maybe that's what me was, but. Almost more like a promo single yeah, than, kind of, yeah, you know, would yeah. be her first sort of radio. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's how she should have played it. Maybe she just shouldn't have done such a big lead up to it. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe just kind of dropped it unexpectedly. Uh, but that's not the Taylor Swift way. All right. So uh, if we work for Republic Records, we have to pick the next single. These two are already out there. So next single after we need to come down runs its course at radio. I'll go first. I feel like to really change things up and because there's the... Uh, just seems to be so much buzz for it at the moment. The video just came out, but also I just think it's it's a different sound, and ultimately it's a really good song, and sounds a little bit like old Taylor, and and is just I think it would be a nice uh, turn waiting, for radio. Waiting for you to say London Boy at this point. Nope, I'm gonna say Lover, the title cut. I, I think it has to be Lover, right? Uh, it, I mean, went off really well at the VMAs last night. It's it's the top streaming song on the album on Spotify. It had a pretty good debut on the Hot 100 this week. It, it, it seems like. It seems like this is going to be a legitimate hit, regardless, almost, if it has the official promotional push or not. But it'll get it. It's already got the video. I think the video is pretty good. Uh, and, yeah, I, I I wonder almost if this is her looking at her buddy Ed Sheeran and saying, why don't, why don't I have a wedding song yet? Yeah. Yeah, the waltzy. Yeah, the, song, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very perfect-y. I, I it's wonder. Speak Now is a, that, that's, that, that's a, oh, that, that's that's a, a song literally wedding about song. a wedding, but it's not a song that anyone's <laughs> going to get married to. It's not going to be anybody's first dance. This song, I mean, this this almost sounds written for that specific purpose. Uh, and it's it's a really successful song. And, I, I, you know, you saw you, it had already got like the, uh, you know, like the, the power ballad sing-along treatment last night and it's only been out for a week, not an official single or two weeks, whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think the song is a really really high commercial ceiling. I think it's oh, no, a slam dunk choice for the third single. Yeah, I mean this one kind of I guess it kind of tips your hand with the fact that the video's out, um, and yeah, she's performing it everywhere, which is not something that um, she's done with like the Archer, for example. So uh, yeah, I, mean, I put this down as kind of the obvious pick because there's a lot of warning signs there. Um, but yeah, I think um, t- I mean especially I think that the composition of it. I know a lot of blogs and some writers have sort of have people have called it country to some degree some sort of indie I'm, i mean it's out there there, there there's, there's a wish out there while, certainly like in, just in terms of it's not like based around synths and, and very yeah. obvious max martin right. jack antonoff type production it feels like you know she could have just she can just play the song on guitar if she wants to 100 yeah. percent. and i think um so i mean for, for fans who may you know want her to kind of go back down that that traditional road and to the point about um i mean the first two singles you know i mean it feels like she probably can't come with a third sort of, you know, big booming single again. I feel like you do need something a little different to show people, you know, the depth of the album and that it's not just, you know, Taylor trying to whatever, recreate 1989 again or something. So I think Lover's a very, very good choice for that. Um, and, it, you know, even better if she does warm back up to that country audience um, and if there's any chance for that. I mean, we saw even New Year's Day had a bit of a country push, like, for a minute there. Lover would have... Much better success there, but um, you know, to to spread her base again, that would be probably a very smart and successful thing. Yeah, she uh, she wrote the song herself too, which is worth uh, noting in an era of uh, so much well, entirely herself, she entirely herself, yeah, right, yeah, entirely herself. Uh, I like the lyrics too. I like that that uh, element of 
uh, when you come to that realization that, oh, I'm the grown-up now. I can, I can make the rules. That's at that moment when you kind of feel like you're still waiting uh, for whether it's parents or teachers to tell you what to do, that, that uh, moment in your 20s or 30s when it's, yeah, it's, I make the decisions. I think this, not only is it going to be one of the biggest songs of this album, but I think this is going to be a song that she you know, plays on tour. When she's touring 15 years from now, she's still going to play this song. I'm so sick of running as fast as I can. Wondering if I'd get there quick or if I was a man And I'm so sick of them coming at me again Cause if I was a man Then I'd be the man I'd be the man So my pick for fourth single, it goes back to the, the big, over-the-top, big, total big pop, catchy chorus But I feel like you have to go with the man as the fourth single mm. It's back to being up-tempo And I feel like the, the lyrics, uh, again, she's, it's kind of... Uh, Similar to you need to calm down and that she's she's making a statement, but I feel like it it really works and ultimately the song is just really catchy. What I'm noticing too, I'll just mention this: uh, the man you need to come down and me. They're all uh, collaborations between Taylor and Joel Little. So I know we've mentioned Jack Antonoff wrote uh, co-wrote so much of this album, but I, I kind of find myself gravitating to the Joel Little songs. And people may not know he also co-wrote uh, Royals and Team with Lord. So he's got he's got a hit. Didn't that, won, uh, didn't that win song of the year at the Grammys? Yeah, and the man's a. It's it would be an interesting choice. It would definitely be you know going back to the to the you need to calm down kind of uh, I don't, know, don't want to say activism, but at least uh, you know kind of on on social points of uh, you know, Taylor talking about how uh, she she feels disrespected sometimes inherently as a woman where she steps into a room and you know maybe she's not taking it seriously as she would be if if she were if she were male and she feels like uh, men get away with a lot that she couldn't get away with and you know she certainly knows the story there better than anybody. So, Andrew, that's not your fourth single. Uh, so, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm torn between two. I, th- I think I think I'm probably actually not going to end up going with my my pick for the most obvious single off this album because I just think the timing's wrong. Uh, I'll say I think I think he knows here, which is I think like the zippiest pop song on the album. It's another one of the Jack Antonoff ones. That that's the one where I was I, mean, I was just listening to it on the on the you know the ride into work on a Friday morning. I was just like, oh, this this song's a winner. Like why 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 would this not be one of the first two singles off this album? Uh, and I don't know. Maybe it's too late to do it as a fourth single, but that, that, that's that's one that's just all right. This 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 just this song just works. I like Cool Summer. Um, I think. Uh, I mean, maybe par- partially because maybe the time it would be a little, eh, because it'd be the end of the summer yeah. when it came out. But maybe maybe people would look back on, you know, the bad summer that they had. It'd be even later, though, because if, if we go with Lover next, this is maybe so it's a, like winter. A, okay, it's like, a winter song. Okay, so we'll look back at a terrible year. Um, Obviously, this was um one of the most anticipated ones just because it was covering with St. Vincent. So I know a lot of people were interested to see, you know, what that collaboration would sound like. And, you know, it's funny because people always... Like I remember when uh, Imogene Heap was writing with Taylor, and people were very like unsure, you know, what that how that could work. And uh, they came up with the song "Clean" off 1989, and that's I mean that's one of my favorite songs that she's ever recorded. And I still think it was a single, and I still think it should have made Billboard's list of uh, best deep cuts. Of mm. the, uh, well, there's a lot of competition know. from Taylor Swift in that deep cuts list, Trevor. I understand. I'm just gonna air my grievance when I have the opportunity. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, "Cruel Summer," you know. It's it's funny because people, people, people read a lot into this. People, some people think that it's you know sort of another one of those Kanye diss tracks. Which I don't know if there's anybody. So, I mean, how many Kanye diss track options people have? I don't I I don't know why I'm almost like still so obsessed with this. I assume Taylor Swift is kind of over this, but um, I mean, I just like that. I don't know. I mean, just 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 it has the right sort of middle of the ground vibe that i think is characteristic of this album and probably it it's not nearly sort of whimsical as delicate or something like that but i think it adds um sort of a layer of subtlety and it's like subtle subtlety but energy that i think taylor probably could really benefit from in a lane that we've seen some people um i don't know almost like not like Halsey like, but there's some there's there's some sort of like middle ground that I that I really appreciate about it. It's kind of like delicate in some ways that it doesn't hit you over the head with total tempo, but it's still really catchy and more of a laid back kind of groove. No, yeah, and I think um, I mean it's definitely you can dissect those lyrics for days, and especially I mean some of the maturity about you know even when she's talking about on uh, the bridge and she says and I scream for whatever it's worth, I love you. Ain't the ain't that the worst thing you ever heard? And <laughs> I just feel like it. I mean. It's Taylor sort of coming to reckoning with with what 
her public persona is and the fact that, you know, she's had the worst year of her life, but she's still able to sort of, you know, through all this 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 turmoil that's going on with her public persona, still find and enjoy herself. I think that's really one of the most honest songs on this record. And um, yeah, I think it's just probably, you know, a nice change of pace for her. Yeah, I think the entire conversation around this album is different if this is the first single released from it. Like, it's just a good song. Yeah. And, you know, Cruel Summer works better at the beginning of the summer than it does at the end of the summer. Uh, slight, uh, you know, uh, slight knock for me, uh, you know, taking the iconic Bananarama title. It was Bananarama title before it was a Kanye West title. And then that was one of the, the great pop songs of the 80s. And I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't like stealing a title that iconic without at least giving, giving some sort of wink to it, which I don't, I don't think she does over the course of the song. But aside from that, it's a great song. Uh, and, and, yeah, it, it doesn't kind of overstep in any meaningful way, which is sort of rare for a Taylor song. It's, just, it's, just, it's very kind of within itself and uh, would, have, would have sounded great on radio, would have sounded great on any number of Spotify playlists. I think uh, th- this this would have been the number one song uh, if she had released it first. And I think now it's too late. I think you can't have a song called Cruel Summer coming out in September or October. It's just... I, I mean, think maybe next summer. If, yeah, maybe. Yeah. If it holds on. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you'll get a remix or something, uh, you know, and, and then maybe you'll get Second Life and God, you get on radio in time for, for Summer could 2019. Remix this? Uh, so in five burning questions this week, uh, one of the questions was just going back to uh, Sean and Camila for a second. Uh, other potential male-female duets that uh, could just cause a huge, uh, maybe be a huge hit or at least get that kind of buzz, Kanye Taylor? Would certainly make headlines. No question about that. I, I, I mean, what would they even say? I mean, it, yeah. it almost feels like it'd have to be some sort of like bad, like 2000s R&B, like, like – Character talk or like sort of you oh know, like, like a same girl type thing. I mean something like like something like that very almost like kind of like really meta like it is I mean very much like you know how could you do this to me and he's I mean it's just like you can't you can't make up a third story for this it has this has to really like address you in real life and then the thing that makes Kanye versus Taylor so compelling in general is that they have no musical overlap. I mean, you know, I'm sure they like some of the same songs. I'm sure T- Taylor likes some Kanye songs, probably vice versa. He but likes some Gaga songs. He does, yes, but. Uh, in general, their artistic processes couldn't be more different. She's all about controlling the situation and, you know, titrating the perfect pop song, getting everybody in a room, let's figure out how to do this. And he just wants to kind of completely reinvent the form and do things that no one's ever done before and, and you know, kind of be, be on this uh, in this pantheon of the, the 20th and 21st century geniuses, people that were super ahead of their time and, you know, didn't listen to anybody and just kind of followed their own muse. Uh, so there's, there's really not a lot of common ground there. I feel like it would have to be moderated by somebody with a foot in both camps. I don't know who that person is. There's somebody that's like kind of equally in both of those worlds. Beyonce is the only one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Beyonce is the only peace broker that that could, that could make a partner like partnership like this happen. Well, and of course it would be you know full circle, right? I mean, Beyonce. Beyond, if we if we remember, it was Beyonce's fault in some ways. Yeah, for making just too good a music video. For, yeah. yeah, she made too good a video at the wrong time. I've been the archer. I've been the prey. Who could ever leave me, darling? Maybe it's just kind of a cop out because we've known it a little bit longer, but I just keep coming back to how catchy it is. I, I feel like I might go with The Archer as the fifth single. Mm. Definitely would be a long running uh, adult contemporary hit. All right, fifth single, Andrew, uh, and then Trevor. Wouldn't be my personal choice, but uh, maybe around the time of election season, it's time for uh, Miss Americana and the Half Blood Prince. Heartbreak. Heartbreak. <laughs> Every single time. I, I almost considered saying Half Blood Prince as a joke, and now I just, I just forget sometimes which one the actual title is. Uh, the song I don't think is one of the best on the album, but it's an interesting song. It's, it's got kind of a you know, Lana Del Rey-ish vibe to it, and it, it, you know, it, there's lyrics on it that you could you know, interpret as being political or at least about kind of the state of the country. Uh, so maybe for you know November, maybe it's around the time of the year for that. You know, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be a radio smash or anything, but not a lot of fifth singles are these days, so... Maybe that's just kind of how she she plays out the string with this album. All right, I'll, I'll just throw up probably one of my favorites. Like, it just caught me the first time I listened to it. Probably the first song that I really was like, okay. besides Cool Summer, that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Paper Rings. The moon is high, like your friends were the night that we first met. Went home and tried to stalk you on the internet. Now I've read all of the books beside your bed. Um, it's got a high octane kind of energy that I like. It's, it's probably too simplistic to say that it's like a, but it's got a little like pop punkish like yeah kind of like be, it would be a influence. It would be a different single for her. Yeah, so, uh, and I don't think she's put out a single like that like in her entire career. So um, I mean, I like the vocal cadence, I like the the play of it. I mean, and even just the imagery and everything. I feel I feel like it would make for a fun video. Um, and if you know if this is part of the strategy of you know this album for Taylor is a very a very fun time in her life, a very happy time in her life. 
um, you know, with her her new boyfriend. I feel like that that's kind of one of those fun songs that just you know is instantly catchy, very 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 listenable on radio. And uh, yeah, I just like the I like the groove of it. I think it could could be a standout. All right, we'll wrap with. Uh, it's hard to do this uh, when an album just comes out to say is it. Uh, where do you rank it among an artist catalog? We were talking about this in the podcast earlier this year when uh, George Straits uh, hit uh, Every Little Honky Tonk Bar came on. I said, this is one of his best songs ever and it's up against 40 years of, of catalog. Can you really can you really do that? So it's always kind of difficult when you haven't had weeks, months to really process uh, any any new music. But uh, where do we rank this among her albums? Uh, so someone asked me this uh, last Friday, and I don't have a great answer for it yet. Uh, but I say what I told to him, which was just you know, it's in the middle somewhere. Uh, it's not. I mean, my two favorites of hers are are uh, Speak Now and Reputation, actually. So I, I kind of have a weird Taylor canon compared to most people. Who I think uh, prefer Red in 1989. Uh, so I think it's not not as good as those two albums, probably, and it's certainly better than her self titled album. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, and we'll, we'll see where it ranks in between that and you know. 1989 and Fearless and and, and Red, uh, but it's in the middle. It's, it's 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 got a lot of really great songs. It's got some songs that I could do without. It's paced a little strangely. It does some interesting things for her career. There are other ways other ways in which I wish she'd take taken a couple more chances. Worked with a couple more interesting new producers. I, I you know we're talking about her moving on from the Max Martin experience. I would love it if this was the end of the Jack Antonoff experience. Which isn't to say they they have some good songs together. They really do. But I, I don't think that he challenges her uh, the way that I, you know, that I would, I would want her collaborators to. And I, I think that you know, there's still a couple songs of his that sound, that sound like Bleacher songs no matter who's singing them. So I'd like to, I, I would like this to be kind of the end of her, you know, her, her pop trilogy, I guess you could say, uh, with, with 1989 Reputation, maybe move on. You know, she's never going to leave pop behind. She is a pop artist. But move somewhere else, try some new things. Uh, and you know, I think we'll look back on this album as, as, as a really, really solid Taylor Swift album, but maybe not, maybe not an all-time best. Yeah, I kind of put it uh, somewhere in the middle too. And I think, like overall, it, it is a good album. I feel like Fearless was the album where she just uh, fully came into her own mm-hmm. as an artist, and then I'd probably put uh, 1989 just for uh, that being a great pop album. Oh. So I, I think you, it's you always go commercial, Gary. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's tough. Um, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, I mean, partially because it's so quick to digest. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I think it, the 18 songs, you know, I, I, like like most songs that or most albums that go probably over 14 tracks, I think, you know, we could scale a couple down, lose them, and we would tighten up the overall ranking and score a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it does a lot of things very well, and I think I think in some ways it's probably the most like uh, a very quintessential Taylor Swift album. Like if I had to bottle an album up and say this is probably this is generally what Taylor Swift was about this might actually be the one um just in the sense mm. that that's interesting it very much it it hits all the main points it's it's got i mean some lovely melodies it's got i mean a lot of a lot of lyrics about you know of course her relationships but a lot of i mean metaphors that yes you can apply to the political sphere her failed relationships her beefs with everybody the song about her mother you know i mean to show how she can you know, like I said, I mean, paint a very specific picture and, you know, in a way that it's something that's very personal to her life, but still she finds a way to make it so inviting in some ways and so so interesting that I think anybody could relate to it, even if even if you've never had, you know, your your mother or your family or anybody go through this, there's something very haunting and touching about it that you can appreciate. Um, I mean, no, I don't think it does anything, you know, does it sort of outdo in 1989 um, or something like like that. No, and I don't think that was really the goal. I mean, in some ways, I think Taylor, you know, in a post-reputation kind of world, is just happy to express herself and wants and, and really isn't trying to be out there and, and please anybody and, you know, show that she's got this or show that she can do this. And I think part of that also comes with some of the business lessons that, have, that she's had to learn, I guess you could say, in some ways. I mean, in, to her point, this is the first music that she's owned, you know, herself, after all the drama with Scott Borchetta and, and Scooter Braun and, you know, um, the ownership of her masters. So I think there's something for the first time very much like entirely quintessentially Taylor Swift about this project. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that, you know, when you, when you take that sort of not only just the music itself and the message, but you take that, that total package into account. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like it a lot. Does it have my absolute favorites? Mm, probably not. You know, I feel like 1989 with I think it was 
12, 11 or 12 tracks. I think it was a lot cleaner, a lot, you know, sort of concise to the point and did its job. And maybe because it was more exciting because it was her first like full pop album, maybe that plays into the picture. But I think, I think we'll look back at this as, as an important album in her career. Um, and especially, you know, what it meant for her as a businesswoman and as a person. So I definitely think for people who thought kind of in the same way we thought Reputation, the people who thought that we heard the first two singles and they were going to be duds and this was going to be, you know, the long-awaited flop that we, you know, we, we knew she couldn't do it again. Um, I think those Taylor haters have to be very disappointed again that she once again delivered a very solid, strong product. All right, we'll find out over the next few months how we did. We'll see if we were if we're as wrong as we I were can't last time. wait until I just bat zero on all of these. Like uh, I'm already I'm already taking the L on this one. Can we always be this close and ever and ever Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 